Hello and welcome back to another episode of Podcasting is Praxis. It's a very special episode today because we have a very special guest. But first, let me introduce you to Elijah. Hello. Hello, how's it going? And Alistair. Hello. And our very special guest indeed, it's Elijah Jenniger. <laughs> going with I think I did that right, but I may have just fucked it up again. That's, you know what, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> you you dick roll. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just fucked it up, I know. And I'm Rob, the, the, the pronouncer, that's what I'm good at. That's, you know, uh, I'm going to take it, that's fine, whatever, we're <laughs> so, going with it. Sorry about that, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, Eleanor, it's nice to have you on. <laughs> Pleasure, love to come and have my name pronounced. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm surprised. We do have quite an assortment of names today, actually. Yeah. Apart I'm from right. you, Rob. You can do one. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being normal. <laughs> a normal man for a normal island. Yeah. <laughs> it's how we cope. Well, I don't know. I have a weird obsession with UK politics, even though I live in Switzerland. So I don't know what, what's wrong with me either. But it's because Swiss politics are so slow moving. You know, you wouldn't really get anything done. You would crave the content. You would, you know, like if you made the switch immediately from UK politics to, to Swiss politics, you, you'd go into like some kind of DT weird withdrawal symptom phase because yeah. it, it just it's, it's so slow. I mean, which is good. The only interesting thing I learned in the last couple of weeks is that apparently in one of the cantons, there was a fashion for a while for people to go hiking in the nude. (laughs) (laughs) But that was that was illegal by the by the laws of the canton, which is the smallest one. It has like 15,000 inhabitants, but it can set its own laws. Um, It's up and sell. (laughs) Yeah, it is up and sell. Yeah. I'm glad that the, the, the two Swiss people who aren't on this show that listen to this podcast are feeling very represented right about now. <laughs> Appenzell is famous for uh, conducting cantonal votes by people going into the square, in the town square, and raising yeah, it's their literally hands village to square. vote. And uh, for not giving women the right to vote until, what, like 91? 92, when they were forced to buy yeah, the Swiss yes. Federal Court. <laughs> well, you know, we might, who knows what our tricksy uteruses might convince us to do. You know, it's just, it, it's all a yeah. modern form of hysteria. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, it sounds bad. It sounds bad until you think about how most of the cantons had suffrage uh, carried out by cantonal referendums much, much earlier. And if you think about um, how long would it have taken the UK, for example, to give women the right to vote if it had to be conducted by referendum. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my God. legislation. And, like, referendum by Shire as well, like some ancient administrative unit that nobody knows that has something to do with, like, the Queen's prerogative. And a minimum majority of 69%, of course. <laughs> nice. If you, if, yeah, yeah, think about that. If you conducted a <laughs> referendum of all the British men asking them if women should be allowed to vote, what kind of result do you think we'd see even today? Oh, yeah. Because I'm not sure it would pass. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it is uh, it is quite disturbing when one starts talking to men how, uh, you know, the humanity of women is generally still up for debate. Like, on the whole. In even well, I mean, like, nobody on this podcast ever recommends talking to men. Mm, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm quite a fan of them, you know. Uh, but what can I say for my sins? <laughs> I mean, this is all a very smooth introduction to the first uh, sort of quick topic I wanted to 
bring up is that this was announced today and unfortunately it was a piece in the sun but you know sometimes can't be helped uh, voter ID is coming to these United Kingdoms. Anyone without a valid form of ID, such as a passport or driving license, if you want to vote in the 2023 or 2024 council elections, uh, will need to confirm their ID with the council before being able to cast a ballot. I mean, this <laughs> it's just it's just another in a long run long run of uh, policies that they're announcing, essentially seeing what they can get away with, and if they can get away with it, obviously they will enact it. But like, it's I mean, we've had we've had so many fucking things. I mean, like COVID related, and now this. And will there actually be ID required? Well, it depends how much of a stink everyone else kicks up, I suppose. I think this one might get through because it benefits them in a very clear material way, which is that yeah. it just it 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 disenfranchises poorer people who would be more likely to not vote for the. Uh, so there is a material benefit to them actually doing this. And you know it's always going to be a good one when it seems to be lifted straight from the GOP playbook in in, in the US. They love mm. a bit of uh, uh, copying the homework. I mean, I have to say, way. I'm sort of confused about what more it is the Tories want to gain during elections. <laughs> it's like they already have like an entire absolutely rabid lapdog media that will, you know, say anything necessary to the voting public at large, like to make sure that absolutely nothing happens, even vaguely towards any movement of, you know, social democracy. And, you know, they've got this stonking absolute majority. They have, uh, you know, people saying that they absolutely love to die of COVID while Boris Johnson is in number 10. And they're like, you know what? Voter ID laws. I feel like we should do this harder. And I'm like, wh like what's left, mate? Like, I don't know like how... how well, there's going to be the, the uh, boundary review as well. So they're going to cut, I think... It's like 15 Labour seats or something by redrawing all the boundaries for the MPs districts because there was a feeling, I can't remember, that there were too many MPs. So there's some weird committee set up that was going to cut some seats. So Look, like, Rob, because the Tories are in charge, they're just going to cut Labour seats. Rob, they need the 150 seat majority so that they can enact a law that everyone has to be friends with their idiot sons. And that's for these MPs <laughs> with the idiot sons who they actually do approve of and don't actually hate. And I can imagine at the moment that the major a majority of MPs that don't hate their idiot sons is currently winning out. Is not winning out, rather. <laughs> oh, dear. Is it because MPs have a lot of friendless sons. Is that why we're doing this? <laughs> Time for my weekly mandated pints with the idiot Tory from across the road. <laughs> He's not even going to buy them. We have to do rounds so he feels included on an equal level, the fucker. Tory friends of friendless sons. Can, can you imagine, like, all, all these once and if we're allowed back in pubs, like, all these really, like, depressed groups every Thursday, and there's just, like, one gleaming bowtie deep dipshit sitting in the middle, like, I have friends! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you know what? It's giving me it's give, like, the, the, this, this thought is giving me huge vibes of um, the misogynist incels who, uh, you know, that's a bit of a tautology anyway, but who, you know, demand the government give them a girlfriend. Yeah, oh, yes. you know. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like the only time that like uh, Tories slash incels are interested in uh, quote unquote Marxism is it's when the government must give them either sex or friends. You know, it's like, and then the government should step in and these things should be allocated by a rota system of some kind. You know, one is supposed to show up on the first day of university, be assigned their girlfriend and their friends, and then they will all have a nice time. You know, and it, it's just, 
I, like, I by law, even, punishable by 15 years in prison. Like, I don't even know what to fucking say about this stuff, right? Because it's like, there's, the there's all these, you know, laws that are being, well, well, not laws, but, you know, all these proclamations that they're making about, you know, what we as historians are supposed to be doing, the sort of work that we're meant to be doing, who's going to get funding for what. And it literally boils down to, my son didn't have any friends at uni, <laughs> so I want you to, like, stop writing about slavery. And it's like, I just don't understand how these two things are fucking connected, mate. Like, it's, ugh. like I mean, I, and I say it every single fucking time. It's like, I can get my students to do their reading every week. And you think that I can make them be friends with your dumb kid? Like, I can't. I'm sorry. Like, your child is unlikable and that's not on me, you know? <laughs> They Christ. want lesson plans that include things like Tories are so cool. They came up with <laughs> capitalism. They're amazing. You should all love them. And then one guy sitting in the back, like, yeah, that's me. Who's got two thumbs and invented capitalism and, and, and killed the slave trade? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> well, I mean, just to wrap up on this voter ID thing, it's it's they already did some pilots of this. If you remember in the 2018 and 19 council elections, um, and that already resulted in like hundreds of people being turned away in the pilot regions because they didn't have the right form of ID. To be clear, like, who who are otherwise eligible to vote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and would it surprise you to know who these people are? Apparently, there was a there was a parliamentary joint committee on human rights, which essentially looked into racial inequality because of the Windrush scandal and Black Lives Matter. And they looked as well into having voter ID, and that report said there would be about three and a half million people impacted, and the majority share would fall on the BAME community, mm -hmm. with 25% of black voters in the UK are not registered. Oh my god, it's Rob, it's all falling into place. The reason why Keir Starmer is trying to kick all of these people out of the Labour Party, majority of them being BAME, is because they're not going to be able to vote because they're not <laughs> going to have ID. Ah. It's all falling into place. Seventh dimensional chess. He, I take it all back. He's a human genius. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on human. Here's what I'm still iffy about in terms of understanding. So, like, we know why the Tories would want to do this, right? There's a clear material benefit for them electorally to disenfranchise certain demographics. But my question is, when it comes to the base, right, their voter base, their their fans, the people they're trying to sell this to, or maybe the people who they think will just lap it up. My question is, who are they worried about? Because in America, it's it's pretty clear, right? They're 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 worried about illegal alien Mexican ISIS people, you know, who like aren't actual yeah. citizens coming in to vote and voting for Mexican ISIS senators. They'll just invent, it'll just be Twitter, yeah, but like Rick Marge, they'll just invent a guy yeah. to get for everybody to get very yeah. mad at. Who's the, who's the vote frauder in the UK? I think that it's you know, going to be illegal. I think it's going to be illegal ISIS people. Again, it's going to be like, um, I think it will be very much tied to like Islamophobia very specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be like, it's going to be that they think that, for example, um, people from the Asian community aren't supposed to be voting and that they're not supposed to, they're not from here. You see, you know, they should go back to where they came from and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, so it's going, going to be like those, it's going to be like those people, those poor people who, you know, you remember from a few months ago when uh, they were trying to whip everybody into hysteria over boat refugees. It's going to be like the two people who are not blown up personally by Priti Patel may cast a vote. <laughs> and therefore, you know, 
I like how we've gone from like trying to import the culture wars of Australia to now the culture wars of the United States. As if we didn't have enough on our fucking plate at the moment. Uh, yeah, it's going to be rehashes of those 2004 type arguments about how uh, Muslims have more children and then they'll vote for Sharia law, right? We'll get like Lauren Southern playbook shit coming uh, across yeah. all the tabloids. Um, that's going to be great. And Chris Hitchens isn't even alive. The wrong fucking brother died. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not working with the timelines. A hundred percent. It's going to be like the great voter replacement theory. That's what's going to go down. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, just out of curiosity, I had a look uh, at the Electoral Commission. And in 2009, because I just wanted to know like the, the, the numbers as reported. And apparently there were... Uh, 592 cases of voter fraud reported last year uh, into the police, which, I mean, the UK has a population of nearly 67 million, so that's like 0.00 something of a percent. And in total, there were three convictions and one police caution over voter fraud. So I think this is something we really need to get a grip on at a national level before everything goes crazy. <laughs> oh my God. What, what an amazing hit rate. Fucking hell. Yeah. I mean, not, you know, not that it's going to matter, because I think in, in two or three years, we may all be dead, um, or at least we, we can hope so. The uh, government... <laughs> So we've got that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Eleanor, this will be nice for you as well, because you'll be able to see your students again. Apparently, schools and universities are going to be open again on March 8th, with Yay. everybody going back at the same time. Uh, Primary schools, secondary schools, universities. There's no. Yeah, everyone goes there. through the same door simultaneously. <laughs> love to go back in the germ box. Lo love uh... it. I mean, the whole thing is just so incredibly disruptive um, as well because it's like you know from the beginning we were telling everyone we should just be online this year and that would have been fine. I could have just you know revamped all my lesson plans for being online. You know, been ready to rock with all of my students. But they're like, no, go back in the classroom and you know. To a certain extent, that was easier because I've already got all my lesson plans made up, so whatever. Um, obviously, I was terrified um, in that way that one would be if you're asked to go into a room full of young people who have just come from all over the country. Uh, but, you know, we got through it. And then when things moved back online, I was like, well, okay, rush, rush, rush. Redo all my lesson plans to be online. And that's fine. And now they're like, uh, now go back in the classroom. And it's like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? You know, it's just, it's so all over the place. And it's so massively incoherent. We've already, you know, had to really structure and uh, restructure and retailer massive things that are going on for our students so that they can do them from online. And now they're like, psych, get back in there. And it, it's like, this is to no one's advantage. It's just completely, you know, these kids are fucked anyway. The, the important thing about uh, being at university is not on the cards for them, which is kind of like the socialization um, and, you know, like being able to get drunk and uh, make out with someone in a questionable way and then like <laughs> go eat some like really bad pizza on the way home. Like that's not something that they get to do. And I really feel for them about that because, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, I ruined my life by attempting to become an academic is I firmly, firmly believe in, you know, the actual transformatory potential of the quote unquote university experience. I think it's really important for young people to have time to just be around a bunch of other young people to kind of figure out how you live with people and get on to kind of like learn about doing your chores in the right way and how to compile a grocery list and when you got to pay your phone, you know, and all these things. 
Um, and I think, I do honestly think that like the making out and the hangover coping and the clubbing and all of that, that's really important defining stuff. And they don't get to do that. It's like, yeah, sure, you can march them back into halls, but they still can't socialize in an ordinary way. There's nowhere for them to go. It's not like they're going down pub. It's not like any of the clubs are open. You know, to be fair, I, d I did like prepare for my life as a professional alcoholic by being one in university. So like it worked yeah. out very well for me. Exactly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Eleanor, well, the, the, the thing you, you need to understand is you could have just told them all to play Age of Empires 2 for the entirety <laughs> of lockdown. And then, you know, bish bash bosh, baby, you know, and then. That might might have accurately replicated my first few years at university, uh, despite the fact <laughs> I did STEM. But, you know. Yeah, I'm doing a college course in music just now. And even though it's 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 one of those uh, uh, topics, music, where you really, really need to have a level of in-person uh, work, mm. rehearsing and practicing and performing, uh, I think all our, uh, our college decided... Uh, back in January, when when we locked down in Scotland again, they said, "You know what? It's going to be online. It's probably going to be online for the rest of it. We we can't be arsed anymore. We'll we'll just figure out a way to keep it remote um, because that's the that makes sense. That's the safer option. Even if we could go back, you know, if we have to go remote again, then you're just losing time and you and you have to do extra work. And if it's working remotely, then it'll just work remotely. Like fuck it." Yeah. Well, I mean, and they're doing this whole thing again, where it's just like, no, but it's fine because kids don't really get it. It's like, yeah, but they can transmit they're, they're, it. They're, they still carry it. Fuck. Yeah, right. you know who fucking gets it? <laughs> me. Like, this yeah. is the thing. Is like that that really bugs me about this is that it's like the idea of when people are like, oh, kids don't really get it. It's like, do you think that kids are just alone? It's like, especially they okay, have like parents. Universities are one thing, right? But, you know, for children in elementary school, it's like, do you think the eight-year-olds go home and just <laughs> hang out with other eight-year-olds? Is that, like, really the thing? You could just do, like, a giant naturalized, like, Lord of the Flies experiment with the whole, all the children in the United Kingdom. <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember the first, like, two months of my time, like, my first year at university, because everyone had freshers flu right mm, for like yeah. the first two three months and that it, you know it's called freshers flu it fucking happens all god all the goddamn time mm. and now i can only think that either you don't give a shit that that's something that happens every single year or you have actively chosen to ignore that thing that happens every single year when you've said get back in the fucking classroom i mean i mean i i'm i remember like ash sarkar caught covid because she was lecturing at university it's like mm. well i mean like yeah that was for me it's fucking terrifying because i have you know i've just got like a shit immune system right like it's not there's nothing clinically wrong with me it runs in the family we just have really terrible immune systems we live until our 90s and we're sick the whole time that's like our fucking deal right <laughs> and um so i get i get fresher slew every fucking year and it's like clockwork it really comes in and i was like oh great because the fresher flu this year is covid now, to be fair, I did not get COVID uh, yet, you know, because March is maybe my time to shine. Uh, but it, it was well, one of those... Fingers crossed. I mean, it's... Uh... It's just, it's really intense kind of like being told, you know, we, we simply do not value uh, your life within this. And, you know, frankly, I'm absolutely tired of all this kind of uh, equivocating around it and saying, oh, well, you know... Um, you won't die if you get it. Like, oh, that's the baseline now is like not dead. 
Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry that I, I'm, I've got these like super Marxist beliefs, you know, about like quality of life. <laughs> it's like, I personally don't want to walk around with splitting headaches um, all the time. I do not wish to lose my sense of taste. You know, these things are important to me, especially in a world where basically the only thing that's going on for anyone is dinner. You know, like, yeah. I mean, it's just like, that's the only thing I have to fucking look forward to. And you're telling me like, oh, like you just sacrifice your taste buds for a year. But it's, yeah. it's incredibly like cynical because like even even when when uh, he was giving his statement, Boris was saying like, yeah, we accept that booting everybody back in the, into the classrooms could put the uh, push the R8 back over one. It's like, OK, so you're already saying <laughs> I accept that holding a gun to someone's head could increase the number of bullets in their head by one, but that's <laughs> yeah. a risk I'm willing to take. With your life, not it's... mine, yours. Oh yeah, exactly. It's the joke from Shrek, right? It's it's the Lord Farquaad thing from, from Shrek. He says, some of you may die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean... The, <laughs> the very cynical part of me is because there was a similar piece, I think it was in the news yesterday, that they were projecting that by March, most of the over 50s will have, I think, one, at least one of the COVID jabs. So it's like, that's their voter base locked in, right? Yeah. Over 50 mm-hmm. homeowners. So then we can... Make life go back to normal. And there was another fucking piece by that fucking knockoff Mufasa prick Tim Martin off Weatherspoons. It was just like, <laughs> everybody needs to go back in the pub. It's just like, by March. It's like, huh, that's convenient that you all have the exact same date in mind. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I just want to like give a shout out and an RIP to a comrade that we lost this week, you know, Ed Rooksby, mm. um, you know, who was an extremely fit and healthy 45 year old. You know, and like, don't don't fucking tell me that, you know, I'll be fine as someone in my 30s, you know, because, oh, oh, it's only people who are over 50 or it's only people who are over 60 who have high mortality for this. It's like, well, you know, um, our mates are out here dying. Um, so like, and I'm just supposed to like do that Russian roulette for what? So that some Tory landlords can make their money back on, you know, the, the halls of residence that they're shoving students into. Mm. It's just, it's unconscionable. Yeah, yeah. Who, who, who doesn't find the phrase, you probably won't die? Very reassuring. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm a singer for a living. I do it for my job. COVID fucks with your lungs. I don't mm-hmm. want, I'm, I'm, I am quite scared. I'm in one of the lowest risk categories for death, but it could completely take away my ability to do what I do for a living. Like, you know, and existentially create a, a, a severe level of depression because I can't do one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, it's not yeah. dying, but fuck. Oh, jeez. Well, I mean, you know, it, to use this as an extremely sinister bridge. Uh, speaking of death. Uh, was, uh... <laughs> the, the Tories are at it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there, was a, the, there was a piece in The Guardian, I think, yesterday uh, by James Tapper that uh, people with learning disabilities have been given do not res- resuscitate oh, orders fuck, during the yeah. second COVID wave. And that was done essentially without informing sometimes even themselves or their loved ones. Those of you who don't know what a do not resuscitate order is, is essentially if you're brought into hospital, you can sign a piece of paper that says if I have certain condition, if I have a certain condition or I'm just like I'm old and I'm tired of living, which is perfectly fair, then I don't want like a gross invasive procedures done to save me. So that's what they're for, for voluntary people to say I'm, I'm kind of 
done. That's kind of Pe- what it's people, for. Yeah, people who think they've got no quality of life that they want or to Or terminal to. illness, exactly, that yeah. kind of thing. For people with learning disabilities, so this is, if I understood the, the reporting correctly, it's like not people with Down syndrome because they're in a different category, but it's people with other types of learning disabilities. They've were sim- Some of them were simply told that they would not be re- re- resuscitated if they were brought into a hospital with COVID. I think, I think the most... Oh, I say most. One of the one of the many harrowing things I've heard that's related to this was uh, it was being discussed on oh, I can't remember if it was TikTok or Instagram. One of the two, they you know people were calling it what it is, which is eugenics, and those posts calling it eugenics were being taken down and accounts being blocked or deleted for saying that. And it's like this: this is quite literally something that the Nazis did, right? Yeah. It's, this is yeah. This is. Exactly, literally what they did. And it's also, so people with learning disabilities are currently not on any of the COVID priority lists, even though like the majority of those with learning ability who have died in the last couple of months, 65% of them, uh, those deaths have been linked to, to COVID. And that's essentially because a lot of them live in, in care homes or other joint facilities where a lot of people live very closely together. And not all of them can be expected to like follow wash your hands sign that kind of shit mm. but still at least they got those over 50s all uh, all vaccinated right <sighs> well some of them i, I mean it's <laughs> gonna i'm i'm kind of looking forward to like in 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 like a, a, a sort of accelerationist kind of way of a situation where the all the all the gen x's and the boomers have like covid passports and they just fuck off on holiday and start spreading <laughs> COVID to the rest of europe and the islands and whatnot and everyone else is just stuck behind here because that would, I think, clarify certain um, red lines in the sand for a few people. And it might make it a little bit easier for us to actually hammer home uh, what we mean by the way we discuss politics in terms of power relations and material interests and and, and, and class solidarity. Mm-hmm. Right. The, mm-hmm. the homeowners and the rich have it and they're doing it and they're doing it very fucking blatantly. And they're telling you, go fuck yourself in no uncertain terms. Um, so there's a little part of me that's like, well, you know, might make it easier for us. Yeah. There you go. There's there's your dose of optimism for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, mean, I try. I, I do think that you know a, a lot of what we're sort of complaining about um, in this <laughs> complaining about you know elucidating in this episode. Um, no, no, it's it, fine. It's a it's a podcast. It's complaining. Yeah, it's a it, you know. <laughs> All that is kind of like very much linked into a lot of the machinations of the government is that, you know, they know they've got the 50s and up shorn up. And, you know, they do that through continue like the continued policies of quantitative easing, which allow their homes to continue to accrue massive amounts of, you know, uh, of, of capital behind them. They do that through ensuring that these people get vaccines while the rest of us don't. Um, but then they force the people who don't have those vaccines into, you know, theoretically Tim Martin's fucking pubs to serve pints to those same people. Um, uh, and yeah. they know that they, that they, they're doing everything they possibly can to give their voters what it is that they want. And they know they've got fucking nothing for everyone else. And so their attempts are like, well, we're going to continue to keep this stranglehold on the media uh, we're going to uh, make sure that um, we're going to try to change universities so that you can't educate people to think this is bad. Um, well, and you we're can going to educate them. You just can't educate them and say some things are bad. You just have to say that, you know, as per our last episode, the Stonehenge was a portal for interdimensional aliens. Mm-hmm. Britain was great. Oh, this is um, not one of those fucking theme parks you're getting, Rob, is it? 
No, 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 we're not doing another theme park today. <laughs> God for that. But it's like, you yeah, know, I was just, do I that was just and don't let them vote. Yeah. <laughs> I was just imagining what it's going to be like. Imagine being a fucking bartender in a pub that operates on a COVID passport system and your entire clientele is vaccinated boomers and you're like 25 or something. And it's like pints take... half filled with spit and then topped off with beer. Fucking yeah, absolute like, chat. Oh no. Yeah, poor bartenders. <laughs> Not only the usual amount of boomer in pub shite, you know, smile more, uh, uh, fucking bullshit, but... <laughs> <laughs> don't you know who I am? Why don't you serve me first? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, anyway. Be nicer to my son. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like real talk, you would be struggling to find someone on this accursed turf island who misses pubs more than I do. Like I viscerally miss going to the pub. I'm about that life. Uh, my yeah. personal pub that I go to all the time might as well have a fucking direct debit on my bank account because that's where <laughs> it turns out when you lock me in my flat and I'm no longer allowed to go to the pub that I frequent. I'm like, oh, I have a lot more money. <laughs> it's like my, it's like my old student. My old student union actually did have a direct debit. Uh, God, that's the <laughs> that's the future, baby. I love to see it. But you know, like, and still, I'm like, do I want to go to the pub? No. I, well, yeah, I want to go to the pub in theory, but I'm not gonna fucking go. I'm not gonna force my mates who work there to like go in and risk their lives to give me a pint. You know, I'm not going to, and I'm not interested in sitting in the germ box. You know, I want things to be back how they were sure but i'm completely disinterested in playing this game where it's like oh well it's just it's all fine as long as everyone over 50 is okay like everyone else can just fucking die like it's it's the baby boomer death drive is intense or it's that really weird bullshit where it's like no no you can sit in the pub without a mask as long as you eat a burger and chips because those are known cures for covid or something it's like <laughs> what the f you know it's like that fucking eat out to help out which is like, the amount of shit, this is really like, this is almost a sort of operating theory of, of mine now on, on, on the British government, is that their idea is just to like, if we just crank the scandal and death level button to 11, and we just do it constantly all the time, there's so many shocks going on all the time that, that, that nobody has time to like process and any inquiry that you do after will have like so much shit to cover that people literally won't be able to understand what the fuck all went on. Mm. It's an an entire abattoir of dead cats. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's like a it's like a it's like a dump truck full of dead cats being chucked into your living room all at once, and then just you know being having to make sense of the individual ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have one more short story, and then we will get on to the the topic of of filthy cultural Marxists in our academic circles who must be rooted out. Um, and that is my continuing and enduring hatred of tech companies. <laughs> there was a there was a piece i can't remember where um but that apparently swiss scientists have created a new like sensor that you can wear that can warn you that you're approaching burnout and there's it, a distressing but, amount of switzerland in this episode <laughs> yeah they should shut the fuck up and go back to being neutral and not and, and the really great lives. thing about it because like they said well what's this for it's like oh it'll be really good because then you can monitor in real time <laughs> how your levels of anxiety and stress are. <laughs> that why doesn't is... sound anxiety-inducing at all. Yeah, why, why does this line on this graph keep going up while I'm looking at this graph? Oh, no. <laughs> Love to uh, wear my employer-mandated stress meter so that they can yeah. see whether or not I can take any more of this. 
Yeah, I mean, but that's what it will be used for. Like the first people who have this fucking thing tagged to themselves will be like people working in Amazon fulfillment centers so that Amazon afterwards could say, no, we don't have to pay for your medical treatment. You should have done more yoga and meditation at home because you were too stressed and you knew it. Like that's where yeah. the fuck the shit's going to go. I'd love to, get into my, I'd love to get into my spreadsheet mecca where I do all the uh, macro functions by uh, directly mentally inter- interfacing with the spreadsheets. Like, I hate I hate this I hate all of this I hate this this I hate in general this you know the the measuring of your own self like I don't understand the people who wear those like watches and apps and stuff that like tell you about your heart rate and how much you're sleeping it's just like you're just giving this data to fucking google medicine or or you know google death drive or whatever the fuck they're called now I hate this so much cuz like the answer to this stuff is like everybody instead of stopping people from overworking and stopping people from having like miserable fucking stressed out lives because I don't know where the fuck the, the rent's going to come from next month on their two square meter hovel in the southeast you know what, what you're going to get is like a little wearable thing that will beep you until you it's time for your yoga with adrian course online fuck you peasant it Oh. <laughs> a little alarm, a little alarm that goes off and says you're stressed you're stressed whenever you're stressed <laughs> I mean, in, in, in like one small little way, uh, I can see some valuable function for something like this when I'm like self-employed and, and, and working by myself and trying to organize myself, I do have a tendency sometimes to do a little bit too much and it, you know, might be okay to have something that goes take a break or something, but you can do that with a timer, mm. right? You can set an alarm. You've been at it for an hour. Go, go. Yeah, and like this is not to say that nobody experiences stress, and that's fine. But like, I think most of us would recognize by ourselves when we're fucking stressed out of our mind. And you know, the solution is not to to measure the stress. The solution is to take the fucking sources of the stress away. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the Zoom fatigue discourse again with things like uh, keyboard monitors, right? So your employers need to see you at the keyboard. They need to see yeah, consistent yeah, yeah. work happening and stuff, you know. I have a friend of mine who already has this that like it's not a keyboard monitor, but it's a, a a mouse monitor. So like during his working hours, like there's a there's an app that he had to install on his desktop that like made that like measures whether or not you're moving the mouse around. So like what? that's an indication of whether or not you're yeah, yeah, behind your desk. That's incredible. Oh you gosh. get like a mini treadmill and just put it on that. Fuck no, off. what he did was even better. He put uh, a string, uh, he put his, his mouse cable on uh, his desk fan and just set it to rotate. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the tech stuff in isolation could be useful. It could be used to enhance our experiences. You know, like it, 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 it could be a way to help people take care of themselves, to be more aware of, of, you know your own mental health and back pain issues and all that but it, it's only ever used for this authoritarian work monitoring bullshit well it's disciplinary um, isn't it, it yeah. it's it's not it's never going to be oh you're too stressed you better have some time off it's you weren't stressed enough to take time off from work that's mm. that's yeah. forever the way that these things are used right yeah, they're going to demand you'll, you'll be allowed to take the time off work after you burn out you see that'll be how it is <laughs> Um, yeah, but then yeah. at, whilst receiving a stern talking to you about how you shouldn't have allowed that to happen, uh, but you won't be able to take the time off of work before that happens because you're not on that fucking knife's edge yet, you know? Do you think if you're wearing the watch while you jerk off, it spikes you into anxiety territory? God, I hope so. Because <laughs> <laughs> that could be an easy out. 
What, just <laughs> masturbate, masturbate more during office hours? Well, I mean, you know, boss makes a dollar, I make a dime. That's why I jerk off on company <laughs> time, I suppose. But... Anyway. Anyway, turning to, I think, our, our main topic today. Eleanor, I just wanted to, to, to ask you, like, on a person-to-person level. Oh, yes. Why are you silencing everybody on, on UK campuses? Why are you personally preventing honest debate from taking place? <laughs> um, Where did you get all of that duct tape? You know, oops, that's my kink. Uh, you know, just uh, got into it, got into it, you know, for the, for the kicks, really. Uh, and it's got out of control from there. Um, I always kind of laugh when I see these things come up because to a certain extent, like whenever, like, you know, the Daily Mail writes a fucking article talking about like Marxists on college campus, I'm like, well, you know, they got me. Like, you know, like, like, I can't say fairer than that. On the other hand, but you I'm know, I'm so happy to meet like an actual cultural Marxist now. Like, it's such a like it's such a rare sighting out here in the wild. Yeah, you know, and it's just, and I am doing what uh, what they think I'm doing, which is you know teaching kind of like radicalized histories in the classroom. Sure, sure, I'm doing that, but um, you know, I'm not so sure how much it's fucking taken hold. Let's be real here. You know, like my framing and lens of, of history isn't something that's always taken on board by all my students. And, you know, I have, you know, from time to time, I have uh, conservative students. You always know who they are, you know, because they, they love to <laughs> make a point of it. It's a fucking bow tie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, they're always like, they've always come like, you know, you suddenly. You, they can't you, always come in alone. <laughs> they, they uh, you know what schools they went to. They'll make a point of letting you know which school they went mm-hmm. to, you know, that kind of thing. And you're like, okay. Um, but, you know, what am I meant to do? You know, like, I, I let them go. You know, it's not like I'm horrid to them or anything. And, you know, they usually get fine enough grades or whatever. Some of them are, like, hurt sometimes when they don't get to have firsts. But, um, you know, I don't know what to tell you when, an honest to God, I've had a conservative student in the past say to me that, quote unquote, the Irish potato famine wasn't that bad. and i was all like um i'm gonna need you to contextualize that and what he kind of meant was that well you know for it was bad for irish people okay but like maybe not for everybody else but what about all the profits that english people made at the time it's like was that like oh that's because my great great grandfather was a grain merchant and he made off like a fucking bandit yeah basically uh and it's like and it, it was just like okay so you know i want you to like and then you just take them down the hole where it's like well what are we defining as like you know good or harm like how like are you doing this in a quantitative or qualitative way because either way i would i would say that it was bad you know because i just feel like the greatest number of people were harmed by it and a fewer number of people made profit so that would be bad you know yeah um, maybe maybe it was a threat in that it could have been so much worse <laughs> I, I think i've heard that joke being made successfully once by dennis leary who said it could have been so much worse imagine if the irish had invented vodka as well and then the potato <laughs> famine happens and that's it you're fucked there's no food and there's no drink yeah uh, <laughs> yeah real talk real talk maybe it's just like a retaliation thing that like one day you come back to your apartment and like your students have like taken out all the bread and like flour from your from your kitchen cupboards 
Mm. Uh, I, I just gotta say, I don't know. I imagine that was like that. That had to be within the last like twenty years, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's just an enduring hatred of the Irish in the twenty first century. It's just yeah, yeah. And it was really intense because it was it was seriously this happened. It was um, I was making a joke on St Patrick's Day uh, because um, as you can tell, how my, dare you? From my accent, how dare you? Yeah, I know. Like you, you can tell from my accent, I'm all, I'm an Irish citizen. That's clear. Um, and like someone had like made some comment about St. Patrick's Day and I was like, yeah, well, I don't really do anything for it. Cause like, I'm, I'm actually Irish and I don't have, like, I don't need to prove anything like, uh, getting too drunk in the street on St. Patrick's Day. That's for amateurs, you know, real G's. And I was like, I, you know, I'd usually just throw my passport at someone and, you know, call that good. Uh, but it like, and, 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 and apropos of this, my student decided to be like, you know, Potato famine wasn't that bad, and I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, like upon, right, upon learning, you know, more about my nationality, his he, just just so you know, like you know, he just really wanted to, like make it clear to me that like a collective national trauma was not that bad on like our national uh, saint day. So that was cool. Um, you know, did I silence him? No, I was like, are you, you know, we, we did a whole thought exercise. That's what happened. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, I'm not sure what I was meant to do with this kid. And he was fine. You know, were all the other kids arguing with him all the time? Yes. But like, what do you want me to do with that? They say they want a quote unquote debate, but I can't like stop you from debating, you know? like well, the, Yeah. So the reason I bring all of this up is that uh, today... Uh, today and yesterday there's been a big sort of new policy launch from gavin williamson and and number 10 um that there's going to be actual legal measures as well as a free speech champion uh, which will be installed in 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 all universities to stamp out what they call they call unlawful silencing on uk campuses (laughs) as opposed to lawful silencing which is where you just pump out more opinion pieces than everyone else mm-hmm. I, I would i would love to just see one of these examples like you well, know we're gonna get all to the, them. all the, we, I all have the, all the oh my god <laughs> just uh, <laughs> just thinking putting aside all the um insanity about you know everyone everyone needs to be my idiot son's friend <laughs> like <laughs> irish I mean, people especially because they're good crack these free speech conditions will are going to be mandatory for all higher education providers uh in order to be registered as an education provider and to receive government funding i.e it's mandatory or they'll just bankrupt you unless you're oxford or cambridge when you have vast fortunes behind you and you don't need that kind of shit but interestingly the same provisions about free speech now also would also apply to student unions as well as any speakers they would invite to come to speak at their union so if you remember there was a bunch of bullshit last year i mean there were were pick any number but there was a bunch of bullshit last year with like some i think it was jordan peterson was invited to speak at one of the big universities and the student union said no we're not doing that because that's fuck this guy's a fucking clown so if the student union were to do that again post these regulations they would have their funding cut because they would be against free speech if this ends up so 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 here's where the left needs to get its shit together and quickly right because if it becomes the case that (laughs) <laughs> a student union has to accept <laughs> any invitation issues on their behalf to any academic, right? That mm-hmm. opens up a lot of doors. And what the right's been doing for years is this kind of agitprop thing, right? Where where they invite heinous people 
um, with with really dog shit far right extreme ideas and viewpoints, and then they cry about free speech when someone says, "Hang on a minute, this is ridiculous." You know, this person has has no business here. Could we do the same thing? Can we start inviting like like you know explicit Stalinist people? Uh- <laughs> well, it's, I, I I think I think Elijah, it works the other way around. It's like if the three fucking nutters at your university who are members of Turning Point UK want to invite, I don't know, uh, pick a fucking racist, uh, uh, that guy from the US, Spencer, that guy, um, then the student union is no longer allowed to protest or say, no, you shouldn't invite that guy because that would be against free speech. So it only works one way. So what if my 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 SSS, right, my Stalinist Student Society, wants to invite someone? <laughs> you may want to, to work talk on about the white Yeah, I think that, that needs a, that needs to do some workshopping. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that one of the things that I find uh, quite funny about this is that I wonder what they're going to do with because there's a logical kind of a countering to this, and indeed, I think that you would see this fucking play out if you see, you know, like the fash come to campus all the time, and instead of that being called off by the student union you know sure so it's like the three turning point kids will get like you know a fascist haircut in to come speak um and then the four of them can hang out in a room together you know like you're not gonna get there isn't a a sort of thing where so even if the platform is there it doesn't necessarily mean that anyone's going to come see it and i'm wondering what's going to happen after that so if what they're saying is that we can no longer know platform people what's the next thing is like do we have to then provide an audience and does that like does everyone have to fucking like clap and cheer because this is why we need the 150 seats or a majority exactly (laughs) is it's just like yeah I mean, I don't understand what they want with this because, you know, you can go ahead and like bring in every evil fascist that you want to, but the kids are still not going to want to go see them talk. They'll just stand outside and pick it. And if you don't let them stand outside and pick it, they're still going to just not come. Or they'll yeah, do I stuff like. At, I think at this point, the kids picketing outside would make the university legally responsible for that. And that would be perceived as a threat to free speech. So you wouldn't be able to do that anymore either. Yeah, that so... would be the silencing. Yeah, you would have to hold your own opposing event. And you know, right? I think that, that and... I think that the kids will do that. You know, students are really clever and they are quite you know uh, engaged um, because they they know they know what the fuck is up. And you know, so they'll just do that, and then everyone will simply go to that party instead. But I mean, I'm all I'm serious when I say that there is probably going to be a next thing after this, which is going to be like they're going to try to yeah. force them to go. Or something. Well, I mean, this, all this is going to be—I uh, won't say protected, but like um, there's going to be a new part of the office for students, which will be "quote unquote" a free speech champion, and <laughs> they will be empowered with the ability to legally investigate claims of limits to free speech. <laughs> ah, a free speech commissar. Excellent. Is, yes. it, is it going to be Toby Young? I just have. I just. Well, really it, feel... <laughs> it, it's not going to be Toby Young, but the idea. Would it surprise you to know has a lot to do with Toby Young? Oh, um, there was a piece today in the Byline Times by Nafiz Ahmed. So this idea originally comes from an academic at Birkbeck University called Eric Kaufman, who coincidentally also wrote a book about what he called the White Shift about the future of white majorities and said that populism has little to do with economics and more to do with uh, as a reaction to quote unquote the anti-white ideology of the cultural left so he's the originator of the idea of a free speech champion 
I like I like I like how the implication, you know, because it's all it's all cultural leftist, cultural Marxist. I mean, if you take it at a surface value, that therefore means that they don't have a problem with the economic left, the economic Marxists. Like, we can expropriate your property, but by God, you cannot stop me saying the N word. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I like it because I feel like also it's kind of saying the quiet part loud. It's like, well, if you do, if you are advocating uh, for, you know, some sort of more equitable uh, property type situation, you're explicitly being anti-white. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, fine. Well, I mean, I mean, who who owns all the Yeah, I mean, you yeah, said yeah, it. Yeah, like, on. you said it, bro. Like, what yeah. Me. Damn. I mean, yeah, I mean, weirdly enough, and, and we brought up Toby Young just now, uh, Alistair, uh, Toby Young's free speech union has like a little side division now who are already called free speech champions. This already exists for like a year or something. So wonder where the idea came from. And that sort of new concept, the free speech champions is co-funded by the free speech union, which we talked about on a previous episode. And as well as part of the uh, Coke Network, the American hyper-conservative. And that's being done through the Battle of Ideas, which is one of these free debate bullshit oh platforms. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. It's just the Battle of Ideas. Does the Battle of Ideas take place in the marketplace of ideas? Or are these two distinct places? Like, Well, the, the, <sighs> the, battle, the battle of Ideas Foundation is also... The funnel through which the spiked network gets, I think last year they got 300,000 quid. And that's Christ. also channeled through the, the, the Coke network. So this is a very clum- happy little family that I think we should welcome it's in a, our institutions. It's a, it's a gladiatorial arena. And the person who has the freest speech is crowned the free speech champion. They're such fucking nerds, God. It's a, I mean, <laughs> this is the only way that they have to, like, you know, theoretically triumph in some arena. You know, it's like, well, they're definitely not, like, they're not, they're out here skipping leg day. You know, they're not going to be uh, joining the Swolitarian <laughs> anytime soon. They're not good at sport. They've no friends. And so, like, they've got this imaginary idea that eventually they'll be allowed to debate someone. And um, also, by the way, they will win that debate and everyone will clap. And then finally they'll have a girlfriend. And, like, this is how it plays out in their heads and it's just so intense to me because when you see this like none of this has any connection to a conception of debate what they want is just like free reign to just spout off whatever the fuck it is they want and then be patted on the back you know well they want they want total hegemony that's i mean yeah and most importantly is like that they will not be that nobody will say no you're saying fucking rubbish like that will just like that's the conception yeah. If you beat them in a debate, you're silencing them, and that's not allowed. You have to let them win. How much more winning can the right stand at this point? They, you know, <sighs> as as we said at the start, they've got a fucking eighty seat majority. They've got the entirety, pretty much, of the of the press. The only thing that they don't have. Our friends for their idiot sons, and that is just—I mean, like this is this is really what it boils down to, in my opinion, is that the great majority of complaints about cancel culture or you know free speech and all this boils down to the fact that these people are unlikable. And I really think that in their souls, it has to do with the fact that they are just blatantly uncool. Um, and you really see that with people like Toby fucking Young, who can't get anyone to come to his freaking stag dude, you know, like, <laughs> and, and people like this, where it's like, no, uh, but I have everything, you know, I have, you know, the monetary success, I have power, but I don't have any fucking friends. 
and they want to be liked. You know, these people are out here complaining. I've got, I've brought it up just because um, this made me laugh so hard today. There's a BBC article about all of this. I'm going to read from it now. I'm going to read to you about the trials and travail of Paul from Gloucestershire's son. It says, Paul, <laughs> Paul from Gloucestershire said there was a problem with freedom of speech on university campuses, with students having to have the, quote, right opinion. My son was treated dreadfully at university because of his beliefs and opinions. He was shunned, ostracized, and even threatened with violence simply because he voted for Brexit and held conservative views. If you don't have an opinion which is mainstream, for want of a better word, there are labels for you. Paul said his son had been looking forward to having good debate at university with people who uh, held different opinions, but was very disappointed. In my experience, university life can be miserable if you don't hold Marxist, communist, or socialist views. I can hear the nasal voice he says that with. Professor like, Yonaga, Professor Yonaga, my... my my son's friends keep picking on him in the playground i mean i love when he's like there are labels for you and it's like yeah tory cunt like you know it's just like what are these people doing i went to a scottish university and even there there was a sizable tory student society and they had events they went to the pub they had fun in between themselves right they would compare who had the redder trousers or whatever the fuck it is they do yeah you know like But they managed to to have a level of socialization. What are these people doing? Well, Who is he hanging out with? And here we see also, like, at play, one of the reasons why this is just fucking hilarious to me is that it really is about people being cool, theoretically, one way or another. Because you see, at the last thing he said was, in my experience, university life can be miserable if you don't hold Marxist, communist, or socialist views. Bro, this was not your experience. This no, was your no, son's experience. Definitely. And yeah, so it's yeah. like, it's, it's, they are so desperate to be, they want to be able to like spout off. Apparently this is like linked to Brexit. I had someone on my Twitter, you know, I can neither confirm nor deny this, who says he thinks he knows who these people are and that they are about to move to the Isle of Man, quote unquote, because there are no foreigners there. Ah. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, well, if you don't hold Marxist views and you think that, all brown people should be rounded up and shot. Suddenly there are labels for you. And and I should actually be cool. I'm cool. And it's like, you're not cool, bro. Like you can feel free. Like you've got everything. You've got the, you've got the Brexit you wanted. You've got the government in place that you wanted. Everyone's fucking dying just like you wanted. And it's not yeah, good the, enough. The home office is saying they're going to like literally gun down people in boats, refugees trying to come to the UK. Like you, you have. But you want. And, and the existential fucking threat is that 19-year-olds don't think you're cool? Like, th- this is what keeps you up at night? Like, Christ. It's a point often made on, on, on Chapo Trap House, and I think it's completely correct, is that, like, broadly speaking, the right, and certainly in the UK, has won the political and economic argument. Like, they're in charge, no fucking doubt about it. But what they really want is to be in charge of the cultural sphere. Because, mm. like, that's where they're not appreciated. And they just want shitty television with even shittier comedians than we now have making jokes about, you know, about how French people all wear berets and have onions (laughs) around their neck, you know? Like that shit. Like that's what they want. (laughs) I was going to... I was I was going to make a similar point to what Alistair said earlier about like what more do they want? I think this is the the culture war arena is one of the few areas where they do feel like they're losing and we're arguably well, they are. if you look yeah. yeah overall they are because Disney puts in you know I mean sure it's 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 shitty superficial tokenistic 
you know, and it's it's mostly often queer baiting and they don't follow through and everything like that. But but there is a tendency towards liberal values in most entertainment conglomerates, right? Mm. Mostly Disney. But, you know, most TV shows are diverse. They make efforts for diversity. And again, very often they're ham-handed and, and, and just embarrassing, really. But it's happening. And they, and, and they do feel that they're losing this. And I think they are. And to an extent, part of me thinks that's a trade I'm willing to make, mm. right? Mm. If they want to put all their effort into fighting this culture war shit, they can take on Disney. Be my fucking guest. I don't have to fight Disney's corner for them, right? Disney isn't going to have white-only Star Wars movies because these f- freaks are offended by it. They can do that, and then we can double down on the economic and the political reconquista that we have to do. Mm. So to I've, got, I've got a theory that part... At least a, a, you know, a significant part of why these people hate Jeremy Corbyn so much is because a man that on paper is so fucking uncool ended up somehow <laughs> being really quite cool in his own way, like because he because of the there's just no way they can emulate the genuineness. The actual authenticity. Yeah, you, can't, you can't fake of, that. That's real. No, you that you cannot fake that. And, you wore a tracksuit and had a Mao style bicycle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I've definitely said this on on the show before. Like, you know, a man who willingly takes pictures of manhole covers and makes jam and like from stuff from his own allotment. You know, that's like okay, fine. But like, he's an intensely human human being, right? If that makes sense. And these people fucking aren't. They just fail at the basic concept of being treating your fellow man like a human being, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to briefly come back to like this, this because I do think it's important to see like how these networks within the Tory government and just outside it sort of tend to sort of all link together. So I, I was talking earlier about like the Spike Network and and the battle of ideas, and just like to give you an idea of the type of opinions that I'm sure the free speech crowd would want to have. One of the other trustees of the Battle of Ideas is a guy called Luke Gittos. Gittos. I don't know how to pronounce that. Much like other names. <laughs> and um, he apparently wrote a book called Why Rape Culture is a Dangerous Myth. And in the government press release, that they found an academic who was willing to say it's really important that you know we have this free speech bullshit. Uh, is a guy called an assistant professor at Oxford University called Tom Simpson, who weirdly enough is also a fellow at the Policy Exchange, which is a hard right think tank that like produces a lot of the documents that then get turned into actual government paper. And weirdly enough, the Policy Exchange did a paper in 2019 uh, saying that a very online left culture is exerting a chilling effect on academics. Do you know what? At me next time, motherfucker. At me next time. (laughs) (laughs) And what? What about it? What? Well, I mean, the the co-author of that piece uh, is a guy you may be familiar with from earlier in this recording is Eric Kaufman. He's the guy who came up with the idea of free speech champions. So this is like... One of my students said I wasn't poggers and it made me cry. I don't know what it means. (laughs) You know, like I had, a, I had a student just like completely fucking own me the other day, like where we were talking, and she was like, "Yeah, you know, you can tell that you're just really online." And I was like, "Ouch! <laughs> wow, okay, fine, like own down to the ground." Like, I feel like we've been locked inside for you. What yeah. the fuck else? Yeah, are we wait, what do am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to be? Have dinner and post, mate. <laughs> 
I teach music to to ten year olds, and I frequently have to explain that no, it's not in the it's not it's not in the key of hashtag C. It's, uh, in the key of oh no! C sharp. Oh, that's oh, adorable. No. I love them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you were, you were talking earlier about like, I, I, I have some examples of this is from Gavin Williamson's actual speech or his written remarks, I, I can't remember, about the people who, who are being silenced and who would be set free with all this new free speech bullshit. Uh, he, he cited three particular cases. I'll just run you through them. Uh, the first one is a guy called Felix Ngole, um, who was expelled from his social work course after declaring that God hates homosexuality and said that they committed wicked acts. He was reinstated to his course after suing the university with financial uh, and uh, material backing from a group called Christian Concern. And I'm going to leave you to guess. This was a student, yeah? A 26-year-old student, yeah. Now that is a menacing name. (laughs) I mean, I just feel like... Um, if someone didn't want to hang out with me, I wouldn't sue them to make me do that. That wouldn't make <laughs> me feel like they liked me anymore or that they thought my views were any more acceptable, personally. Yeah. You know, I, I just wouldn't be suing over that. I mean, said Gavin Williamson, uh, for every, every Ngole, so that's the guy we just talked about, Carl or Todd, whose story is known, there are many more who are forced to keep silence, withhold research, etc., etc. Now, uh, Carl and Todd are also two specific people. Uh, Todd is Selina Todd, a professor at Oxford, who claims she was silenced after being uninvited to a feminist conference for her ties to the anti-trans group Women's Place, as well as on her personal Twitter account, uh, making, and I'm not going to repeat it because it's fucking vile, uh, comments about trans people that... Oh no, bitch, go hang out on mom's net. Go, like, what are you so silenced? Go hang out with yeah, them. Like, I mean, who's fucking who's fucking fault is it if you if you Graham Linehan your own fucking career? Like, I mean, seriously, why don't they get together and have a little academic conference? They can go have well, whatever, have, yeah, whatever academic they conference have, they fucking want, but we don't want you in this one. Like, I mean, that's just have, what it comes down to. They have places to go. They can go to Liberty University and get free PhDs, you know, fucking hand it out to them. And, and they can get, you know, well-paying jobs doing the right-wing American grift circuit. Or, you know, yeah, Lord knows. Lord knows. Free All market, the, baby. Those terms are way steep in funding from, like, the Koch brothers and other, you know, right-wing think tanks. And it's just, they're, and they're just so mad that people understand that feminism just doesn't have to do with, like, you know... Teresa Turfington Smythe or whatever in her needs and, and wants to like break the glass ceiling. You know, it's it's an absolute like nonsense, you know, way of looking at the world. And it basically, you know, you're not being silenced. You can talk up and down of the country, especially this cursed country, as much as you want about turf shit. Like that's like, you know, have at it in any newspaper. Again, you're just mad that young people don't like you. Like, that's what it's about. You're mad that your students don't like you. You know, they know they've got, like, for whatever reason in this country, they've got, like, Gen X and the baby boomers on lock for this stuff. It's like, you can say as much turf shit as you want, but, like, you can't get the people who are kind of like, you know, it gets kind of dicey, 45 and down. And they just want uh, to still be thought of as um, a yes queen girl boss. And when no one, like, applauds them for that, they they throw a fit. I mean, you guys say, well, why don't you go host your own events? And and the problem is that they do. 
this is the last guy I wanted to mention and also the guy that was mentioned by Gavin Williamson again, uh, you know, in his press release, uh, which is a guy called Noah Carl. And he was dismissed from a junior research position at Cambridge uh, after essentially he was being found out as a massive fucking racist uh, where he contributed to pseudo academic journals that essentially you know, said that whites are the master race. Two of the papers he submitted for publication include do larger Muslim communities make terrorism more likely and British stereotypes of migrants are often correct. Well, I look forward to his article in The Spectator. Well, weirdly enough, here comes The Spectator. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes! Uh, he also worked on the famous or infamous London Conference on Intelligence. If you remember, that was the oh, eugenics conference. Oh, at UCL, oh. yes. Oh. My alma mater, baby. <laughs> Letting that happen. That was the exact one that Toby Young also attended at the same year that Toby Young uh, attended. Again, this is a literal eugenics conference. At the time of his dismissal, Toby Young defended him in a long article in The Spectator, where he decried... <laughs> yes, there it is. <laughs> Where he decried, quote unquote, the woke left wing orthodoxy. <laughs> the left, the, the woke left wing orthodoxy. The eugenics is bad. I'm, uh, I'm being silenced when I'm being told not to use calipers on my students in class. <laughs> <laughs> Your earlobes must be this long to enter. <laughs> this is the thing, though. These people are all popping up in like Cambridge and UCL. And I don't know either way, right? I'm not going to say whether it's 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 better or worse, but it seems to me that, like in the US, for example, you have like you know these these sort of uh, Bible universities mm. and these you know mm. uh, Jerry Falwell run Liberty universities, and that's kind of like a sort of self-containing organism because mm. outside of that context, everyone sees Liberty University and goes, "Oh, okay, well, yeah, not, not really. sure, you know." I mean not not really because like a lot of the alums of the liberty university in particular uh went straight to work for the bush administration and mm -hmm. then you know yep. Yep, were yep. made uh, sure. chief of reconstruction for like iraq provinces and the only reason they were is because they were the large dipshit sons of wealthy republican donors who went to these universities so like there are real work real world through lines <laughs> if you let these people you know, and, keep them in their own pod and never expose their ideas to the, the bullshit that they are. The war-torn country of Iraq is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can say, so for example, you know, obviously the, the well, I mean, I say obviously, not everyone is maybe necessarily clear on the fact that I'm a medieval historian, but um, one the the group of people that I know the most about are medieval historians. And we got a lot of trash racists around um, in the field generally. And like one of the most prominent ones uh, works at the University of Chicago, which is, you know, traditionally one of the most well thought of uh, universities in the United States. It's not Ivy League, but it's not far off. Um, and she works there and she's like, you know, um, written papers or like a, and worked alongside like Milo, for example. So, um, it's Yiannopoulos, well, yeah, Yiannopoulos, yeah, Jesus <laughs> yeah, not Edwards. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, not Milo Edwards. Sorry, boo, it was never you, honey. Like, uh... Speaking of silencing and freedom of speech, <laughs> yeah, uh, has anyone else seen the, seen the news? What, no, oh, uh, what now? Oh, Milo's been kicked off a parlor. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> the market, you know, another fatality in the marketplace of ideas. What can I they say? didn't. He was he was having a spat with Ben Shapiro, and he threatened to post his phone number. Twink off, and, twink oh. off, twink off. <laughs> <laughs> and they couldn't. 
they couldn't ban ban him because the app doesn't have that functionality, so they had to manually go in and change his password so he could log back in. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's amazing. I mean, this is an extreme oh how the mighty have fallen moment. So it's like so Ben Shapiro outranks Milo. Interesting. Apparently, yeah, you wouldn't think that with how tall he is. Yeah, mm. but I mean, to to me, like, it, it, what's worrying about? I mean, it, this is all bullshit. It is really like, why don't you know? Uh, why am I so persecuted? Bullshit. But it's like <laughs> the, the, when I listen to like a lot of the other stuff, like there is this big culture war bullshit, which is for one, it's a fucking election winner for the Tories, no doubt. But like, it's also like what kind of country they're trying to make because mm. it's like. There was a campaign uh, and ongoing now still against the National Trust because they wanted to do like a limited experiment of teaching, you know, visitors and students about the links between stately homes and slavery, which yep. was apparently, you know, talking Britain down. I mean, obviously, it's all a reaction to Black Lives Matter, cancel culture, all that bullshit. If you remember a while ago, also on this podcast, we talked about if the, the the BBC's Night of the Proms not singing Land of Hope and Glory and Brutal <laughs> That was a great week on Twitter for me. I managed to get lots of people really mad by saying that Vaughn Williams was a, a, a subpar composer. Woo! <laughs> and all the best music, all the best music at the proms comes from Germans and Italians. Fight me. Oh, uh, Austrians, Austrians. Uh, oh, 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 I'm a Mozart truther and we will wrestle. Sorry about it, bro. <laughs> no, I mean, the, 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 the greatest achievement that, that Austria has ever done culturally, you know, sort of in, in a global context, is to convince the world that Hitler was German and that Beethoven was Viennese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, absolutely. English classical music is just fucking shit tier. And, oh, you know, yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> but there is this really real thing going on where, you know, it's all about we can't do Britain down by talking about history anymore. Like, we can't... Mm. Yeah. And I, I find this really interesting because um, what they're kind of invoking here um, is this idea of that history is something that that says something about us like as individuals which i find really interesting you know like obviously i i believe a lot um in the study of history and what it can do for us all um as humans i find it very you know enlightening i help i i find that it helps explain the circumstances that we're in and you know i hope to use it in order to improve um our lives hopefully at some point i mean if not now maybe at some point in time things will get better but my relationship to history has absolutely nothing to do with like me as an individual person. You know, when I study history, I don't go, I did this. You know, like there's never like <laughs> along the way where I'm like, yes, yes, I personally am like fucking responsible for Karlstein Castle existing. Like that's not, that's not how I feel about it, you know? So you're saying that I shouldn't read Chaucer like it's uh, like I said, create your own adventure game right yeah and, it's, <laughs> and, and apparently some people do it's like you know this idea that i mean and i find the relationship to history in britain is particularly interesting because essentially this entire complaint is born out of this like post-industrial malaise like well sorry post-industrial yes but more specifically like post-imperial malaise where what british people are kind of complaining about is this loss of influence on a global stage and so they don't want you to point out that that influence is on you know predicated on massive slavery genocide and just basically stealing shit from anywhere that you come into and if you point that out people think that you're talking about them 
And so there's been this really successful nationalist project of encouraging individuals to see themselves as actually directly responsible for anything that Britain's ever done. So if you bring up the bad things that, you know, the fucking government did, people go, oh, you're talking, you're talking about me. Like I, you know, I, I don't think that I ever killed anyone. And it's like, bro, this isn't about you. We're talking about a legacy mm -hmm. writ large. And sure, you know, we have the benefits of it, right? You know, like here I am on like a post-imperial island, like liking pubs and trying to work in the universities and whatever the fuck, you know, with limited success in both of those arenas uh, at the current moment. But, you know, the, the point is there isn't, We've done this as a result of, you know, conceptions of nationality and as a way to justify our imperial project. And, you know, we intentionally kept people in the dark in a lot of ways about what violence was necessary in order to do this. And so people feel like when you bring this up, you're hurting them. And it's no surprise that uh, a lot of these people, hmm, when you trace back who the, you know, grandparents to the nth power were doing at that time. Mm -hmm. um kind of waist deep in that shit you know yeah and it... the 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 key phrase there i think is the is the national construction right I, I can put my sociology degree to some good use here if you if you read uh the ernst renan essay on like what is a nation which is sort of still considered one of the you know like key texts in uh in in analyzing sociologically how do national identities develop you know mm -hmm. like what keeps them together you have this dual exercise in uh, creating a national shared history, right? Uh, a sort of mythology, but also a national shared amnesia. Mm. Um, and originally that starts out being, we're going to forget all the times that people in different parts of the country had, you know, like, like deep existential grudges against one another. Mm. We're going to forget all the things that sort of kept us apart. And we're going to remember all the things that sort of keep us together. That's like, you know, at the very basic level of it. Um, but but what's happening here is a very deliberate attempt at shaping a specific kind of nationhood. And we can't yeah. really beat it the traditional left way by saying, well, nations are made up. Like, yeah, they are, but we're here, right? Mm -hmm. We have to, you know, we live in a post-Westphalian system. We have to deal with some of the some of the realities that, that we're presented with. And the the step that takes it further is when they start looking at Umberto Eco's analysis of fascism specifically the part that evokes a primordial you know uh heroic mythology mm. so it's mm. not yeah i, I like not... how we take it i like how we've gone from taking that as like a, a warning of fascism as a, an instruction manual yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. cool that's good actually that's yeah. exactly it it's doing the renan thing where we have a shared memory right of 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 the good things of the united things and then it's 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 applying that in a normative way to to create exactly what we're going to have the memories about mm. which is a very very weird kind of social manipulation cultural manipulation uh but it does come pretty much from a how to fash textbook yeah i mean yeah. i just i think it's a really sad um kind of indictment because really there are a lot of cool things actually that that have happened you know in in history in the uk generally um i you know, it like, but I don't think that we benefit from, you know, shying away from the truth of it, you know, and to a certain extent, you can say, yeah, you know, it was kind of the style at the time and we were all doing slavery and it was bad and then move on. 
Like, you know, you, you don't have to yeah. go. And it was fine. And everybody liked it. And it was yeah, great. Was the first country to get rid of slavery. Yeah. And then, nah, 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 you know, nah. it's like you don't have you don't have to do that next step. You can just acknowledge that you like fucked up and move on. And, you know, like that's I, I don't really understand well, I mean, I do kind of understand what what the issue is there because I think that people do know on some kind of visceral level that this stuff is shameful um, and they simply don't want to feel it. Yeah. Well, you do know that the English invented slavery simply so they could abolish it again, right? Yeah, duh. Yeah. It was a great time. <laughs> uh, and I mean, my, my worry is like, if you look at all this free speech bullshit, like, yeah, it's pretty laughable. And like the people who are supposed to be unbanned, I, I agree with you, like they, they won't get like huge crowds and students but like it's sort of a thin end of the wedge like you start mm. here and then you change the curriculum for teaching history in primary and secondary schools and then all of a sudden five ten years down the line you have a whole generation who not out of malevolence but simply have not been taught anything negative and just assume mm -hmm. that britain is great and at that point the culture does shift and that is fucking terrifying yeah. for me that's Ooh. actually um the, the the biggest um worry is in general textbooks and who gets to make them um and yeah. you know like historians complain all the time for example about you know the life in britain test that you have to take it's got oh, it's God. got several it's got dozens of historical inaccuracies in it in the way that it, it talks about history like things that are just patently untrue or things that are impossible to say i mean for example the way that it talks about medieval england is just like bat shit it just it doesn't make any sense at all whatsoever fucking ever but you know they were all clean and sexy and the women loved them and they hated the danes because the danes were weird yeah and then it's like and, and smelly that, and you're supposed to so but the thing that we can glean from that is it's sure it's not an accurate representation of history but it's an accurate res representation of what what our government wants you to think and feel exactly. if you're going to yeah. you know come on board mm -hmm. here and for a lot of people their only real you know their, their only real experience with history is textbooks that they read you know in in grade school and going to big country houses on the weekend like you know uh the i'm watching shitty movies the movies yeah. is the other you know and television but yeah and, you know, and this is kind of what I combat all the time, you know, like when I, I'm just sitting here doing my little history in a normal way and uh, baby boomers get quite bent out of shape about what I'm doing because they've never interacted with any real history at all whatsoever. They've read, a, they've read a textbook and they've gone to a country house and they assume that what history is, is reading textbooks and going to a country house and maybe you write a plaque. And what they should have been doing, what they should have been doing was playing Age of Empires 2. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> well, that kind of wraps a very neat bow uh, around things. Can I, I, just, yeah. I just want to interject a little bit of optimism here on the topic. You and your optimism, it's really un unwarranted. Oh, we have yeah, common commentary ads still to go, so don't yeah, worry yeah, about yeah. optimism. I'm coming. So <laughs> bring the tone down again, excellent. Just very, very briefly, I, I, I suspect there's a pretty good chance that this will not actually be implemented on a mm. policy level, but it's one of these, you know, sort of just throw it out there, get people talking, distract from things, and then just, you know, quietly forget about it. And uh, in the meantime, everyone's mad. Yeah. Uh, and, and further radicalized. I, I, and, I agree. Yeah, we can uh, throw it on the big discarded policy pile of the great yeah. Paul. Another Ward. another dead cat in the big bin. Exactly. And point yeah. point number two. Speaking of dead things, uh, Rush Limbaugh's uh, excessive drug use has finally caught up with him. Man Excellent. is deep. Oh, I love to hear it. Yep. Oh wow, live that's just made my fucking live day. podcast reactions. The sick, <laughs> disgusting hard left at it again. Oh. Just popped up on the timeline. Wow, my cold Marxist heart. 
dances for joy. Yep. Wow, that that man's a fucking scourge. I, you know, well was a fucking scourge. R.I.P. Motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not we're not free of scourges yet. Um, as I'm 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 about to to tell you, Eleanor. I am assuming you never listen to this podcast because why would you? But if you're, are you familiar with our game uh, comment or commentary app? Yeah, that's where you're wrong, you evil hogs. I am aware of your game and I've listened to this podcast before. Excellent. I love not explaining things to our audience. So I have uh, a fine selection from this week's internet. Diarrhea, I think is the best way to put it. And up to you to guess whether or not it's comment or commentary at. So here's round one. I would argue that human societies need homosexuals. Extra pairs of hands who are related but not focused on just their children. Like the theory about why grandmothers exist. It improves the survival rate. Wait. Whoa. Wait, wait, wait. The idea is that grandmothers exist because it improves the... The survival Yeah, because rate. they do childcare. It's and, like, and, that's and, why we don't execute grandmothers. Wow. <laughs> Bring back the Etterstück. <laughs> Woo! Oh, man. Um, oh, that, that sounds bonkers enough. Uh, do you, do you, uh, that's not a metric that I should ever really use, I nope. don't think, because... <laughs> that's led you astray in the past, Alistair. <laughs> yeah, it really has. Uh, you can only really go by a gut feeling with these fucking things, I feel like. Um, Oh, let's go comment. Let's go comment. Let's, uh, yeah, not not really based on anything because this this game has broken my fucking brain. <laughs> I would say I'm gonna also go comment, and specifically for a semantic reason, which is the I would argue, which is what people love to do on like Twitter, and which you see less often in a long form piece. That one did catch my ear, but I think also uh, homosexuals as a word. Homosexuals. Is, 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 is strong comment energy, so I'm going to comment as well. Well, you are all correct. It is a comment, but unfortunately it came from Mumsnet. Ah! <laughs> oh my god, wow, Mumsnet want to do eugenics against grandmothers. Wow. Yeah. God, they really hate their in-laws, huh? This is, like, it's so also intense. <laughs> And the really weird way they talk about gay people, like, what, what who hurt you? They have, like, their mother-in-laws, apparently. Well, it's, it's, a, it's like a sort of a sex in the city thing, right? Like, homosexuals are cute, cuddly, and they buy dresses for you and look after the kids in a non-threatening, non-nonce way, I think. Is, yeah, is they, the they exist um, to help heterosexuals thrive. Yes. Yeah, obviously. Oh my god, I made, that... I made an yeah. etherstube joke, I assume only one person here got that. A little bit, yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> Round no, two. Okay. It, it, it's the it, it's the Viking myth thing where old people would be uh, would would voluntarily jump off a cliff oh, so yeah. they wouldn't be a burden on the community anymore. Yeah. Which I don't think has a historical basis, but it was in Midsummer, and I hate that film. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a girl about chicks. Ha- it's a it's a movie about chicks having a nice holiday. What? It's 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 it, it it's weird evangelical you know spooky pagans have strayed too far from God and they're European. Ooh. Yeah, I think I think it's, it would have worked better if they were Christian, film. but you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's it, right. it's Manson family level <laughs> shit. Sorry, so that concludes on. Midsummer Corner. <laughs> uh, round two. While gangs of young men with machetes have become familiar to the people of the capital, Labour politicians <laughs> in London are introducing the complementary political culture. Wow. 
So this could be commentariat, but it would be an American writer because that sounds like the famous uh, Sharia no-go zones. Yeah. Right. The- yeah. yeah. I, I think I think I agree with Elijah on this one. I think that's that's a comment uh, commentary. Yeah, I think that it would also be um, a commentariat because I just feel like. And, and I do, I want to say that I do think it's American on top of that, because I don't really feel like yeah. anyone in the commentary right now feels that, like, labor is any kind of threat. So, you know, at this juncture. Oh, you sweet summer child. Mm. Uh, no, it was homegrown. It was commentary. It came, it was oh Leon God. Varkalis writing for Conservative Woman, my personal wow. favorite. Oh, yeah, that's that's kind of cheating a little bit. You go find the fucking deranged takes. Next time yep. I'll show up with, 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 you, with, with you are aware of this game. In, Scotland. in general, Elijah, you yeah. know that what the game is. I'd like. I too am like very frightened when uh, you know the opposition party simply tells Boris Johnson what a good lad he is and says that he can have an extra sweetie. Like it's... no, it comes. It comes from a longer piece with uh, you know not so veiled implications about Sadiq's, Sadiq Khan's uh, <laughs> Islamic style reign of London. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, all right. So round three. The anti-white racists would not be so emboldened if it were not for the white limousine liberals showing them where civilization's weak points are. Ooh, this is a tough one. Sorry, can you read that again? The anti-white racists would not be so emboldened if it weren't for the white limousine liberals showing them where civilization's weak points are. When has a liberal ever done that? Like, they... (laughs) White I hate when I hate liberals. when people conflate liberalism with being left wing. It really pisses me off. Um, I think that they basically it, it's kind of like this is a, someone being mad that uh, liberals are in a limousine. That's mostly what this is about. <laughs> hate when someone in a, pulls up in a limousine. It points out where the weak points in you know whiteness are. It's terrible. Like, <laughs> like a fucking Damn video it. game boss, Jesus. Like, oh, you look like you bitch. We're pointing out fractures in society. <laughs> <laughs> White. Uh, I've heard that term before. White limousine liberal. Yeah, I feel like this is a commentariat thing because that just seems like such um, straw man. Like, yeah, it's such a straw man, and it's so it's so um, written in this particular it's very, very specific pat way. Yeah, yeah. contrived. Yeah, it's, it's it sounds like Ann Coulter or someone like that. You know, yes. the, 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 there's the real America, and then there's the white limousine liberals on the coasts. The the coast. A, yeah, yeah. I mean, it has certain links with with welfare queens. That's that's sort of yeah. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so is it comment or is it commentaria? I'd say commentaria. Uh, yeah, commentaria. I think it was yeah. not. It was a comment, uh, and oh. it was on the same. It was on the same article from Conservative Woman that I just read. Damn. <laughs> okay. All right. So such a good article. You had to go for it twice. <laughs> uh, all right. So round three. The Guardian supported Churchill's Tories in 1951 precisely because Attlee made the mistake of letting too many lefties near the front bench. Starmer knows this, which is why he's absolutely right not to have any left-wing policies or principles. The one thing that we know in 2021 is that the economic and structural conditions of the country are exactly the same as they were in the uh, mid-20th century. Absolutely. Uh, Much like they were in 1997. Exactly the same shit. Yeah. That sounds like my entire, like... Yep. That sounds like a Twitter timeline. Yep. Like, that's a tweet. Yeah, this is definitely yeah. a tweet. This is just a fucking tweet. Yeah. If, and, no, it, this, and it I will be... I don't think this game has ever included <laughs> tweets just to... Oh, okay. 
Yeah, <laughs> welcome, welcome to podcast these praxis when we read the read the Twitter timeline to you. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going, I'm going with, I'm going with comment because like it's just so it, it seems like um it's kind of like a weird interjection onto a larger point. So it's gonna be like some fucking larger uh, point over here. Why why it's great that uh, Keir Starmer just you know um. It just told Boris Johnson if he's very good they'll go on holiday together this summer like I, <laughs> you know so that'll be the large point in the article and then this comment is going to be like yes yes this is much like 1951 you know and it's probably in the fucking Guardian comment section I'm going to say I'm going to say commentary just to be um, you know contrarian to an extremely well made point because this game is fucking insane <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say comment because I, I haven't seen that kind of Starmer obsession type of thinking, you know, the sort of pull prof shit uh, in articles that much. They're they're a lot more. Um, what's the word they 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 try to sort of veil it a little bit. Um, that's a bit too explicit. I'm going to say comment. That was actually Eleanor was completely on the money. It was a comment, and it was from the <laughs> Guardian website. Hey! <laughs> oh, you know, like a, a real, a real thoughtful and very left-wing newspaper, isn't it? You know, uh, once yeah. again, a guest has uh, once again a guest has made me look the complete fool by knowing anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should never do that. Final round of this wonderful game. When will we see health warnings before every televised football match? The following program contains images of players taking the knee and prominent Black Knives banners on every grandstand, which some viewers may find offensive. Or how about Newsnight? This program contains smug left-wing drivel, which license fee payers may find offensive. It sounds like someone needs a safe that's, space. <laughs> that, that's bizarre, right? Because that the the kind of language there is the sort of mocking the the snowflakes right who who want everything to be censored and you know safely packaged but they're complaining about their own little they're complaining about the things that upset them in a way that it it, it it's it's very confused uh comment mm. any other takers oh let's go comment let's go comment eric so i can i can have i mean i mean i think what elijah was trying to say was that these people are always the fucking thinnest skin motherfuckers on the planet yeah yeah <laughs> i mean that's true that's true i mean i mean we are talking about britain so yes i feel like i'm just going to go com oh, see, i was gonna say comment and i was like because you know it's a little bit all over the place and i'm like no but these people don't make any fucking sense so it, it, <laughs> that's, like, that's not a disqualifying factor if you've learned anything about okay so <laughs> about the commentary okay so maybe i'm gonna go comment i'll go commentary instead just to spice it up a little because i keep saying comment well you're correct and on the money again and it comes from one of the most thin-skinned motherfuckers on this island this is richard little john writing <laughs> in the daily mail oh, of course <laughs> Woo! oh my god <laughs> as soon as you said the th thinnest skid motherfuckers on this island i was like richard little john and yep there it is Be yeah being such a whiny baby i forgot how to analyze things <laughs> it was just extreme <laughs> what what no. See, my thing is too. Anytime I hear the word Little John, I just think about how he is besmirching the name of beloved aughts rapper Little John, and I should just be like thinking like <laughs> what instead. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is te it's terrible. But 
To be fair, we should give that guy his column. That would be that would be way so much better. He's a, he's actually um, a really like um, a really thoughtful motherfucker. He just also knows how to party. So I would one hundred percent read any column that Little John wants to write. Please come save us, Little John. Please. Yes, you are. All yeah, he, yeah, he went to John. he went to Brown. That motherfucker got an Ivy League education. What? Like, yeah, yeah. This is this is Eleanor's early coming. aughts hip hop facts. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Funny enough, that's the next section on the podcast. <laughs> the people demand it. People have been saying. Tom Morello should do a podcast, shouldn't he? That would be fun. Yeah. I would listen. Yeah. Well, Sorry. I think... <laughs> we're, we're, we're anyway, starting yeah. this new tradition where people just recommend other podcasts to listen to instead of this one. <laughs> Recommending other podcasts that don't yet exist. <laughs> Anyway, it feels like we're done here. Anyway, yeah, yeah we are done here. <laughs> <laughs> Because what, what Eleanor started to talk about, Little John, it's got to end somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is there anything you'd uh, you'd like to plug? Um, yeah, I guess uh, my, the plugs that I would make is you know yeah, help, plug plug away help someone who's uh, doing Marxist history eat. Uh, I've got a Patreon, Patreon slash going da- going medieval. Uh, if you want to give me a quid a month uh, to help me write salacious articles about, you know, the Peasants' Rebellion, that'd be much loved. But if you actually want something um, more cool and physical in return, you can pre-order now. I've got this uh, year a um, graphic guide to the Middle Ages coming out. Um, you might have seen, like, you know, a queer graphic guide. It's the same sort of thing. So it's like um, a generalized introduction to the medieval period writ large. Um, but also there's really cool comic pictures. So... Is it a pop-up book by any No, chance? I wish. I fucking Aww. wish that was like that that will always be the dream, mate. I'm obsessed yeah. with pop-up books. <laughs> so I've I got um I have a like a side tangent. I have um a really great pop-up book by Edward Gorey called The Dwindling Party that used to give me nightmares as a child. Um and then like I acquired it again in my old age, um, because I like to own the things I fear. Um and it just like started this whole pop-up obsession. I thought you were going to say, and then I acquired a child to read it to, and I was like, this is really <laughs> This has gone to a dark place. Wait, <laughs> never mind, we do have to put a stop to the cultural Marxists. Yeah, much like we have to put a stop to this episode. Um, but yeah, go read uh, Going Medieval Stuff. It's fucking great. I like reading uh, your articles. That's oh, not just you. sucking up. That's true. And we will see everybody on a future ep- episode and or something else by our tat. We'll put a link in the show description, etc. Yay. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.